Well, what do you do when you are, when you are sick, when you are physically ill? You know, it's, it's no fun to be sick. It can make you feel miserable. You can physically feel really bad. It, it uh, prevents you from doing things that uh, you normally can do uh, when you are healthy. Uh, so most of us, when we are sick, we want it to end as soon as possible. And we might pursue that in, in various ways. Uh, leprosy is an awful disease. It's probably not one that we are very familiar with today. It's not as common as it was uh, perhaps in the days of Jesus. But in the days of Jesus, it was, it was not only more common, but also uh, perhaps more dreadful. For not only did leprosy eat away at your body uh, and lead to your death, but it also made you unclean, ceremonially unclean, so that you could not be around people. People would not want to be around you. So you would lose your fellowship, your community, the people that you loved, and they, they wouldn't be with you, they wouldn't touch you, not just for five days or ten days. Uh, there was no quick cure. There was no medicine that you could just take and, and have the hope of getting better. So you would think that if you had leprosy and you were suddenly made well, you had uh, a resurrection of sorts because you wouldn't expect to be made well and all of a sudden you're made well. And you wouldn't expect to be able to enjoy a hug from a loved one again, but all of a sudden you could. So you would think that if you were made well, you would not be able to contain the gratitude that you would feel and that you would express to the person who had made you well. You would think. But in his account of the life of Jesus, Dr. Luke tells us about a time when Jesus was uh, coming upon the last week of his life. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He's on his way to give his life for us, to be crucified on the cross for our sins. And he was met by 10 lepers, not just one, but 10. And they stood at a distance, they were required to do so, and they saw Jesus, they recognized something unique about him, and they cried out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And Jesus did. He had compassion on them. And he said, go, show yourselves to the priests. And they obeyed, and as they went, they were cleansed. They were healed. They were made well. But then, only one, only one out of the ten, when he saw that he was healed, came back and gave thanks to Jesus. And Jesus said, we're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? And so today, I want to ask you, I want you to consider Are you among the one or the nine? What about you personally? Are you among the one or the nine? Where are you? Have you returned to give thanks to God? Now, I don't imagine that God has healed you from leprosy, but most of you, I'd probably say all of you, have experienced God's healing in your life at some time. You have had some kind of sickness in your life that you got better from. And if that happened, it was God who did it. God has healed you probably multiple times in your life. And also, if you are a child of God, he has done something much greater than heal your physical body. He has raised you from spiritual death 
to eternal life. Amen? Thanks be to God. But where are you in your heart attitude today? Have you returned to give thanks to God? Psalm 30 is a psalm of thanksgiving. We have two weeks left in our short series through the various psalms. We've spent uh, two weeks on the psalms of praise. We just spent two weeks on the psalms of lament. And now we finish our series with two weeks in the psalms of thanksgiving. Now looking back on the psalms of lament, we had that brief definition that a lament was a prayer in pain that leads to trust. But not all the psalms of lament end with that expression of trust. If you were here last week, you you heard, you saw one, Psalm 88. Just ended in darkness. But the thanksgiving picks up where the lament left off. You can almost see it as a sequel to the psalm of lament. And here in Psalm 30, David does indeed give thanks to God for answering his prayer, his cry for help, for saving his life. And he gives us an excellent model to follow as the children of God. The theme of this entire psalm is one of thanksgiving for God's deliverance. And although David is writing about a very personal experience, he wants you to join in. He invites all of God's people to join in giving thanks to God. And beloved, all Christians, all the precious children of God will sing this song. It will be our common experience. And the coming kingdom of heaven, where we will be with God's people, made glad with the joy of God's presence, 10 out of 10 will return to give thanks to God. We will all be lost in wonder and praise. But we don't have to wait. We don't have to wait until the kingdom comes to give thanks, to live a life of gratitude and praise and obedience to God. We can make it our daily practice now, today. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, as we fix our eyes upon our Savior Jesus Christ, as we are made aware of our need and his bountiful supply, we can today now respond with thanksgiving. And psalms of thanksgiving can help us. These songs of thanksgiving, they often follow a basic structure with three sections. It's almost like they're a Presbyterian preacher. Three points. They have a, an opening, a middle, and a closing. So the opening will often express the psalmist's intent to give thanks to God for how he has answered his prayer, how he has intervened in his life in a time of trouble. That middle section then will often mirror a song of lament. He'll recount the trouble, the petition, and the deliverance. And then you have this clothing, closing section of thanksgiving. The psalms of thanksgiving will often end with a, a repeated thanksgiving to God. So Psalm 30 You may have heard, as Dan read it for us, it it follows that general pattern with an added element in it, the, the invitation for the community, all the saints, to join in the thanksgiving. So that's my aim this morning. My aim this morning as we study this psalm is that you and I today would join David in giving thanks to God. So we begin with this opening section, the first five verses. And David begins by expressing his intent to praise the Lord. Verse one, I will extol you, O Lord. And then he tells us why. He recounts his experience. For you have drawn me up. And that word or that image 
It's just what you might think it is. It's, it's the image of drawing up water out of a well, being lifted up out of a pit. This is how David felt. And this is how he, ex- he expresses his thanks. Oh Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you have healed me. You have brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. And that pit refers to the grave or the place of the dead, the realm of the dead. So it appears, it seems that David here is referring to a physical illness that he had. He was sick and it wasn't just a cold. It wasn't something passing. He was, he was at death's door. This was a near-death experience for him. And he cried out to the Lord for help, and the Lord healed him. And now he is returning to give thanks. He's giving thanks to God for this healing. So I wonder, do you cry out to God for help when you are sick? And do you thank him when you are made well? I am not sick very often. I thank the Lord for that, for, for a general Good health. I'm very thankful for that. I don't like being sick. I can remember the last time I, I was sick. It was just a couple months ago, but I felt miserable. And I was like a little baby laying in bed. And I, I, I think all I was like, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Over and over again. I just did not want to feel the way I felt. And I just wanted the, the Lord to make me feel better immediately. So I was crying out, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. And he did. He healed me. He made me feel better. And, and I did thank him, but not near as much or with near as much passion as I was crying out for help. You know, I was desperate to feel better. And then when I felt better, thank you, Lord, boom, run off and do whatever it is I wanted to do once again. I wasn't as grateful as I ought to have been. But beloved, every time you are healed from a sickness, it is God who ultimately healed you. Now, yes, thank those who care for you. Thank your mothers. Thank your fathers. Thank medicine. Give thanks to nurses and doctors. They have worked incredibly hard to be able to care for you in your time of need. Often spent many years in study and a lot of money to get to that point. So, yes, be grateful to them as well. But the ultimate source of every healing is God himself. Without God, there would be no healing ever. The scriptures tell us that Jesus is indeed the great physician who heals the sick. Now we know he doesn't always heal the way we want him to. Or in the time that we want him to. But sometimes he does. Sometimes he does. And when he doesn't, we can be sure that he is acting in accordance with his wisdom and his power and his love and his goodness. We can trust him and we can give thanks to him in all circumstances. But here in Psalm 30, David remembers his distress, his sickness, and the Lord answered the prayer the way David wanted to in this time. And David thanks the Lord for his deliverance. But like me, he doesn't want to sing a solo. He wants the chorus of God's people to join him, the congregational choir. Now, in Mark's account of the life of Jesus, he tells us another incredible story, true story. He tells us the story of how Jesus healed a man who had been possessed by demons. And you can imagine 
how grateful you would feel to Jesus. It's again, almost like a resurrection. You have your life back. And this man begs Jesus to let him go with him. He wants to be with Jesus, but Jesus wouldn't let him. Jesus refused and he said to him, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and what mercy he has shown you. And the man obeyed. He went away and he began to proclaim how much Jesus had done for him. And the scriptures tell us everyone was amazed. So we don't want to just thank God ourselves. We want to share the story of God's goodness, his answered prayers in our lives, so that others would join in and be amazed at his goodness, that they would worship him, that they they would give thanks to him. That's what we have here in verses four and five. This is David's invitation. It's an invitation for the community of God to join in the thanksgiving. It's an invitation to you and I this very day. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. There's the exhortation, the invitation. All you saints, give thanks to his holy name. Now that phrase, holy name, it's doing two things. It's, it's a liturgical expression, so it's, it's making us think today of, of gathered worship. Coming together to worship God together. But it's also a reminder of the uniqueness and the greatness of our God. And it reminds me of Hannah's prayer in Samuel. Some of you may uh, remember Hannah was barren. She could not have a child. And so she cried out to the Lord for help. And the Lord heard her cry, and he blessed her with a son. And she responded by giving thanks to the Lord. And she said, there is none holy like the Lord. There is no rock like our God. There is none besides you. So to give thanks to his holy name is to remember the uniqueness, the greatness of our God, and it's also to do it together here in gathered worship. This, this triune God alone, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, this one true God alone is worthy of our worship, of our primary and ultimate thanksgiving. And this public thanksgiving in gathered worship, it is one valuable way that the saints of God can join in the thanksgiving. So we do this together with you every Sunday as we gather for worship. We end our service with a song or a prayer of thanksgiving. And we want you to join in, not just words coming out of your lips, but with your whole heart, your whole being. Throughout the service, we give you the opportunity to respond by saying, thanks be to God. And we want you not to just have those words coming out of your lips, but to think about why you are giving thanks to God and have that come from your whole being. Well, in verse 4, David gives this exhortation. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. And then verse 5, he gives us the reason for doing so. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. So when when David says that, God's anger is but for a moment. He is acknowledging that the one true holy God can never be indifferent towards sin. He he cannot just look the other way. He can't just sweep it under the carpet. He is the holy God, a God of justice and righteousness. And so he is displeased with sin and he will pour out his righteous wrath on every sin 
just as it deserves. Not too little, not too much. His anger is for a moment. So David acknowledges that, but he also acknowledges at the same time that for God's people, his saints, God's judgment and anger against sin, his discipline is but for a moment. It will pass quickly. And then what will remain forever is the wonderful favor of our merciful and gracious God. It will be on us forever and never be turned away. And beloved, think about this. Remember, David wrote this psalm. So we, God's people today, we have the full revelation of God in his written word. We have not simply the Old Testament, but also the New Testament. We have not only the promise of a Messiah to come, but we have seen the person of Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. We know what David is saying even more fully, more clearly than David knew. So we have even more reason to give thanks. We know that God has indeed poured out his wrath against our sin on his own son. Jesus Christ was crucified on the cross as a lamb of God who took away our sins. We, we can look back on that. And the scriptures encourage us to do that, to consider the cross, to fix our eyes on Jesus, to see that in his body on the tree, he was bearing the wrath of God in our place in that moment. And now we also know that Jesus has not only taken the wrath of God in our place, but he has earned God's favor for us, his eternal favor, because we see an empty tomb. We see an empty tomb. Jesus is risen. And through our resurrected Savior, we are justified before God. We are made right with God so that, beloved, he looks at you now and loves you just as he loves his own son, Jesus. He says, you are my beloved child with who I am well pleased. It's the favor of God on his children. This is the great exchange, our sin for the righteousness of Jesus. This is incredible. Incredible. He takes God's wrath and replaces it with the favor of Almighty God. What more reason for thanks do we need? Thanks be to God. Amen? His anger is for a moment. His favor is for a lifetime. The favor of Yahweh, the great I am, our creator, our king, our savior, it's on you. Now, I, now Teddy would let me. I would love to just take all afternoon and think about the favor of God on us today as a whole other sermon. But I'll give you one little, there, there are many ways that you can do this. So if you haven't memorized any passages of scripture that just proclaim the glory of God, I urge you to do so. Because, and just, or if, if you really have struggled memorizing, then just write it down and just read it over and over again. But that's a great way to think about the favor of God. Here's another way. I would say do that first, but if you've done that and you're looking for other ways, you can also memorize the Shorter Catechism or parts of the Shorter Catechism because they can help us as well. So one simple question is, what is God? God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable. And his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. So you just take some time and think about all that God is, all of his attributes, and how that is all poured out on you for good, for your favor. So God is infinite and eternal and unchangeable in his being. Who he is, his presence, and that is on me, on you, for your good. His favor, his love. 
God is infinite and eternal and unchangeable in his wisdom. All of that infinite wisdom, that eternal wisdom from everlasting to everlasting, it will not change, is on you. All the wisdom of eternity from God is on you for your good. All his power, an infinite power, an eternal power, an unchangeable power is on you with favor for your good. What can conquer that power? Nothing. And you just think about that. His anger is but for a moment. His favor is for a lifetime. All his attributes, all that he is, is now on you and for you. And beloved, that is why you should join in David in giving thanks to God. For his anger is but for a moment. His favor is for a lifetime. But there's more. There's more. He goes on to say, Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. Now here, think about this. Weeping is personified as a traveler. A traveler who lodges, but who doesn't stay. He doesn't stay. And our study of the Psalms of Lament, and also from our own experience, we know there is indeed weeping in the lives of the saints. And I realize that this could, be a, this could be a hard series for us. I was thinking as I come this morning, you know, to think about two weeks ago on Psalm 13, last week, Colin, Psalm 88, these, these psalms of lament. And some of you are in a season of lament. And now all of a sudden, it could be like whiplash, right? All of a sudden, here we are, a psalm of thanksgiving. And you might not be ready for the psalm of thanksgiving. But think about the hope that we have here. Weeping... You might be in the night right now. Weeping may be tarrying in your home, in your life. And you feel like it's it's not going to leave. But here we have a sure word from God. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. Now this weeping, we know it, it might be due to our own sin. It might be due to the sin of others that they've committed against God and against us, or sometimes it's just we live in a world that's broken and fallen by sin, and and it's common suffering. But whatever the case, for the saints of God, that's a key qualifier, for the saints of God, this weeping comes to an end. It packs its bags and leaves. That's coming for all of us. And joy from God comes in its place. And that's a great trade. Let weeping go. Let the door hit it on its way out. And let joy come in its place. And listen, this is a supernatural gift from God. Let's understand this. This joy is not something you have to earn. It's not something you work up. Well, I better do all these things right, and then I'm going to get this joy. This is a supernatural gift from your God who loves you, whose favor is on you. He will bring it to you. You don't have to obtain it. You don't have to work it up. God brings it to his people. He gives it to them. He works it in them. And he does this always for all of his people. The last song you will sing, beloved, is going to be a song of joy. That's how it's going to end. Today you might not be singing that song. You might not be able to sing that song. You might not feel like singing that song. You might not even know if you believe that song. But that's going to be your final Song, weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. The morning stands for that time when God gives relief. It may not arrive until the last day, but it will surely come. No matter how long the night, the dark may be, 
Mourning always comes for the people of God. And joy from God himself comes with it. Beloved, our experience of weeping and darkness, it is limited to this present time. This present life that we now live is the only time we'll ever experience any kind of darkness or weeping. It is but for a moment and then an eternity of joy and light. There will be no sorrow. There will be no night there. You know that Revelation tells us that? There will be no night. There will only be the light of our God, an eternal day of joy. So David shares his intent to give thanks to God and he invites all of God's people to join him. Will you join him today? Will you be the one or will you be among the nine? Well, David then recounts the details of his troubles in the central section of the psalm, verses 6 through 10. And verse 6 reveals the problem. David writes, as for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. This is the background for the crisis that David had referred to earlier in the psalm. When things were going well, David forgot God. Last week, Collins said that suffering will bring us to a crossroads. Will we cry out to God or not? Well, we could say the same of prosperity. When things are going well, we have a similar choice to make. Will we give thanks to God or not? Will we acknowledge that God is indeed the source of all our blessings? Will we remember our constant need for him and give thanks to him? Or will we be puffed up with pride and thank ourselves? David apparently became arrogant. He became self-confident and so the Lord withdrew his protection. He allowed trouble to invade his life. Verse 7, David says, You hid your face. I was dismayed. One paraphrase says it like this. When things were going great, I crowed. I've got it made. I'm God's favorite. He made me king of the mountain. Then you looked the other way, and I fell to pieces. It's a good way to think of what's going on here. But the good news is, this wasn't the end of the line for David. God did not allow David to continue in his pride, in this temporary state of insanity, thinking that he was the source of his own prosperity. Now remember, we've talked about God's steadfast love throughout our series in the Psalms. And one definition we gave was this, God's covenantal insistence on delivering his people. And this includes delivering us from our sin. Not only its guilt, but also its power, its grip on our lives. So as as God had raised David up, he had also bring him down. And he did in order to humble him, in order to help David turn from his sin and be freed from his pride so he could raise him up again so David would praise the holy name of his God. And that's exactly what happened here. Verse 8 through 10 show us how David responded to this discipline of the Lord. And this discipline of the Lord was his favor. It was his favor because sin destroys. And God brings his people out of death into life. And so it was was his favor, his discipline for a moment that brought David back. And so David said, to you, O Lord, I cry. And to the Lord, I plead for mercy. What profit 
is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. David has now once again acknowledged his need for God to be his helper. And he has proclaimed the desire for his life, what God made him for. I want to praise you, Lord, with my life. And now this brings us to the closing section, verses 11 and 12. And here David does indeed end this psalm of thanksgiving by celebrating God's deliverance. He, he ends with thanksgiving. And beloved, notice that David says, this is what God has done. This is what God has done. David needed help, and he cried out to God for help, for mercy. And the Lord heard and answered. Verse 11, you have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth. That sackcloth is, those are grave clothes. Clothes you wear when you are in times of sorrow, when you're mourning. But the Lord loosed his sackcloth and clothed him with gladness. He turned his life around. And God does this for his people. He brings gladness. He gives joy. And it has an effect. His people return to give him thanks. We realize it was the Lord who has done this for us. And here are the closing words of this psalm of thanksgiving. David says, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. That phrase, my glory, he's talking about his heart, the, the seat of his emotions, his, his whole being. He wants his whole being to give thanks and praise to God. Beloved, if we are going to give thanks to God forever, even now, today, we must also learn to give thanks to God when he doesn't answer our prayers or heal our sickness in the way that we want, in the way that we ask. Some of you know the name uh, Tony Evans, a pastor, and you may know that his wife, Lois, uh, died from cancer in 2019, just a few years ago. And they had been praying desperately for he- her healing, as any, anyone does when they receive such a diagnosis. But at her funeral, her son, Jonathan, spoke. And you can look it up. I'd encourage you to do so. You can, you can watch this online. He was very honest. It was very raw. It was almost like a modern-day psalm without the full inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We're not saying it was indeed a modern day song, but it was like that, the the honesty, the sharing of his emotions. And I just want to share with you some of the things that he said. His mom has died from cancer and he's heartbroken and he's at this funeral and he says this, he says, I was wrestling with God because I said, if we have victory in your name, didn't you hear us when we were praying? Didn't you see the cancer? Didn't you hear us? Why didn't you do what we were asking of you? Because your word says if we abide in you and your word abides in us, we can ask whatever we want and it will be given to us. Your word tells us if we ask according to your will that you hear us. You tell us in Mark chapter 11 that if we pray believing you will receive. Where are you? He asked. And he says, I was wrestling with God the last few days because this was a great opportunity that we can tangibly see your glory. So see, in his mind, he's thinking, everybody was praying. 
not only in Dallas where they live, but all over the country, not even just the country, but all over the world. People were watching. Where are you? This was an opportunity to see your glory. And he says, I was wrestling with God and he answered. And he said, this is what he felt the Lord said to him. He said, you don't understand the nature of my victory. Because just because I didn't answer your prayer your way doesn't mean that I hadn't already answered your prayer anyway. Because victory was already given to your mom. You don't understand because of the victory that I have given you. There was always only two answers to your prayers. Either she was going to be healed or she was going to be healed. Either she was going to live or she was going to live. Either she was going to be with family or she was going to be with family. Either she was going to be well taken care of or she was going to be well taken care of. Victory belongs to me because of what I've already done for you. See, the two answers to your prayer are yes and yes. Because victory belongs to Jesus. And Jonathan, her son, continued and he said, then he said to me, you need to understand that I am God And I am sovereign. That's why they call me I am that I am. And you need to know that my game plan is bigger than any one player on the field. So you need to trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on you, but lean on me. Because I have the ability to make this crooked situation straight. I am the sovereign God. As higher as the heavens are above the earth, so my ways are from your ways. My thoughts from your thoughts. We don't think the same. And then Jonathan, he said this, not me. He said, God said to me, P.S., don't tell me how to get my glory. And he ended his eulogy with these simple words. At the funeral for his mom. He loved his mom. He missed his mom. He ended with these words. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Beloved, are you giving thanks to the Lord today? David is. For David, the morning has come. Lois Evans is. For Lois, her family misses her dearly. I'm sure they wish they could see her and talk to her and hug her and have her here. But she is giving thanks to God. And we know her her family is giving thanks to God for the hope of the gospel. But are you giving thanks to the Lord today? What can you give thanks to God for today? God made you alive when you were dead. You weren't just at death's door. Spiritually, you were dead in the grave. With no hope, without God in the world. But beloved, you have been raised with Christ. And you will be raised. Give thanks. So how do we give thanks? Just briefly as we close. I think it begins with an attitude. uh, A mindset. A whole approach to life. You could call it an attitude of gratitude. We have this attitude as followers of Christ. It's, a, it's an attitude of humility. Because we know what you have that you did not receive. Everything we have is a gift from God. So it's this humble attitude. Just a constant thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. That puts our pride to death. It also puts entitlement to death. So an attitude. And then it comes out. And what we say, 
It doesn't just stay in our minds, in our, in our spirit, this, this humble attitude that we carry ourselves with, but it, it actually comes out in words we speak. We say it. Thank you, Lord. We pray it. Thanks be to God. We sing it. It's one of the first lessons we teach our children, right? What do you say? Thank you. We want them to actually say the words, and we want them to learn to believe and feel the words. So it begins with this attitude. It comes out in what we say, and then it is shown in a life of obedience. A life of obedience because we trust our Lord. One of the first sermons I ever preached was a Thanksgiving Eve sermon at Trinity Presbyterian in Harrisburg, and I preached on Romans 12, 1 and 2. And the title was, How Can I Say Thanks? How can I say thanks? You might remember uh, that passage, Romans 12. Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, in view of God's mercy. The whole book of Romans is just telling us about this great grace of God. So now, in view of all that God has done for you, offer your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable to God. This is your spiritual worship, your spiritual act of service. Beloved, you will give thanks to God forever. You will. And you'll do it with joy and with gladness. For all eternity, you will be made glad with the joy of God's presence. You will give him thanks. But giving thanks is not only for then. It's for now. It's for today. So where are you? Have you returned to give thanks to God? If not, I pray that you will do so today for the glory of God, for the good of your own soul. Amen.